So cessation of, of suffering is not <coughs> synonymous with adding um, things from around us. And this is a very powerful habit that we have to find our well-being through something we see or touch or taste. <coughs> and you get move out into that. The movement out is, an, is the outflow aspect of asava. <clears throat> Something moves us out and we get turned inside out. So uh, the world around us becomes the thing that we are moved by, steered by, governed by. It's shifting and changing. It's not really ours. So yet we're, we're uh, pulled around by it. Mm. In this way, one has no real um, basis for either relating properly to the world because you've been pulled by it we're biased by it, we're enthralled by it. And one isn't actually finding the quality of refuge in oneself. (coughs) The more that we get pulled out, the more um, the system is capable of constructing um, what we get pulled out into. So it's not just purely the physical senses, but there's uh, the emotional body, or the range of our emotional landscape, things that we can feel um, hope for, despair for, something that... uh, people, events, and so forth. So we get very much moved and waved by all that. And psychologically, the things we can conceive of, or the future, the should-be's, the things we should do, could do, might happen, and so on. So we live in a, a very uh, cosmos, which is psychological, emotional, and purely sensory elements to it. All of them are changing, all of them are shifting, and are often not shifting in the same mode. You know, so you've got at least three or four different universes all operating, and we're somehow you know, being tugged by all of them. So sometimes we will, um, and we will tend to uh, uh, find which is which is the best. So when the sensory world becomes unpleasant, we more go to the emotional or psychological one. The emotional one becomes unpleasant, we go to the conceptual or psychological one. We think about something, dip into a book, um, construct a theory, rather than feel the feeling. This means that uh, 
in this whole process of going out, we not only uh, lose a quality of core of refuge, but we even split into different bits and pieces. So we lose the body, for example, the really embodied sense of it. We go up into our thinking apparatus. And all these, so with the loss of that, there's the loss of a sense of a stable ground. We have to keep thinking and planning and imagining and remembering to have somewhere. Because if you lose the body, you've lost the place where you are. You've lost that sense of groundedness, of stability, of steadiness, of presence. And so all we have is movement, the movement of thought, the movement of passions, the movement of, of ups and downs. And uh, this has got tremendous energy to it. And, that's, and it gets more powerful the more... You can't substitute for loss of presence, really. So you have to have to find presence by making the movement as continual as possible. <laughs> so it's always going on because when you've lost ground, you have to make the empty space something that seems solid by keep stirring it up. And this is what happens. Mm, why why things don't uh, the mind doesn't find rest. So actually that increases the stress and the suffering, this, this vacuity, this groundlessness of being. Now these systems of thought, emotion or effectiveness and embodiment are all part of one and the same thing. They all derive from the basic life force energy, Ayu Sankara which then is the, the medium that flows through the kaya-sankara, jitta-sankara, vajji-sankara. These are the conditions or the dynamics um, that this energy manifests as. The three all stem from the same root. To say they're interrelated is kind of true, but even it's, not even, it's even more than that. They're not just interrelated. They are the same they're not three separate things, they actually are three branches of the same tree. Life force. So what we think and do, uh, what we think affects the uh, emotional state, what we feel emotionally affects the bodily state, and so on. The state of the body affects the, the moods. We're looking uh, in terms of its dynamic, its energies. So it's with bright, bodily brightness, the mind is something to rest in, it feels steady. When, the, when we feel threatened, um, the body tightens up. If you're sad, the body slumps. If you um, find you're sitting, even sitting becomes quite crucial if you sit in a very forced way, then your heart feels tight. If you sit in a slumped way, you tend to get drowsy, no effort, no energy, feel a bit sort of sad or low, there's no rising up in the heart.
in the normal way of things, the bodily system is the the ground, the, if you like. It's the thing that holds the space, holds the ground of our lives. This is the where the rest, so the, the others, uh, systems tend to base themselves upon it. And uh, when one is profoundly emotionally disturbed or shocked or disappointed or something like that, and the, the heart tends to overflow into the body, as we've all recognized, and people weep, people <coughs> shake, people go cold, people blush, people freeze, people you know, get stimulated through emotional effects. These are not coming from purely physical effects. Emotional effects have discharged into the body. And they discharge into the body, and the body goes through that, releases it, you know, discharges it into, the, into its own ground, into the space. Then that's all well and good. You get to a certain point when the system gets overloaded. There's so much stuff happening that you didn't discharge the last thing. Um, the body starts to freeze up. It's, it's over, overworked, overloaded. It starts to close down. And this is um, quite common. People to have, you know, be slightly closed down. The throat, the chest, the belly... The diaphragm, the solar plexus, tightens up. The head shuts down. And it becomes um, something that's not doing through any act of the will. It becomes involuntary and residual. So because one gets used to it, you don't really notice it anymore. It's not that acute. It becomes more apparent when you sit and meditate. You find you can't feel your body, or you can't feel your body below your chest or you can't breathe out properly. You can't get a sense of release when you breathe out. It goes down to the diaphragm and it hits some kind of barrier. Mm. So these are the residues. And this, you know, in a highly, when we are thrown out, we are into a, a highly evolved a cosmos that's not ours and is in, invested, infested with um, corruptions and confusions and delusion. There's a tremendous um, um, battering that occurs. You really, the heart, the whole system is then wide open. If we're thrown out into into that cosmos, you're wide open to all the. Um, afflictions and confusions and um, greed, hatred and so forth. Of course, we do move, when we do, we also move out to look for the, the warmth or the joy or the love or the affection and it's, that's there too. Mm. So it's a kind of like a bit of a risk, isn't it? <laughs> Which one do you get today? But essentially, it's it's um, possible to stay centered, feel be centered in the body, and still be able to uh, attune, recognize what's going on, 
It doesn't mean we are uh, shut down in the body, but actually using that as a center. You can feel your hands and your feet and your general sense of being, and you can pick up, you know, see, hear, touch, taste, what's going on around, without having to completely, completely go out, as we have a peripheral sense, something around us that we contact with. But um, you don't have to leave the, the whole the body in order to experience things. But it becomes a habit um, when we when we have um, lost body. There isn't that sense of a, a place that you can use as a centre. So one becomes much more centred on the emotional or the conceptual, and the, the, and they're moving all the time. This means we go out even when we don't really need to go out, or, or, or uh, because there's a sense of seeking stability and reassurance or comfort in that to act as, the, as our ground, as our center. So this means there's, there's the loss of groundedness means is that you. You don't just have a way of sensing what's going, you're already in it. You have no choice because essentially you have to have some kind of centering principle in order to maintain a sense of coherence as an individual. If that's not available in the body, then it must be you must find it in either thinking or moods and feelings and emotional sensitivities. The more we find it in that, if we if we invest in that a lot, then this means we get more overwhelmed because we're getting more and more effects. The overwhelm experience will then discharge into the body. If the body's already full up, you just tighten up some more. So this process of, of losing the body continues. The more you lose it, the more you go out, the more you go out, the more one's affected, the more one's affected, the more one loses it. And when we say, I say something like centering the body, it doesn't mean uh, there's no, that the other systems have to shut down. You can only have one going at a time. You can be centered in the body, use that as your center, and then still the effective, you know, we can still sense what's going on, be affected by things, respond, have clarity. But you've, we've got a, um, you're not asking the effective system to do what it's not supposed to do. Effective system is there to be effective. It's not there to provide a, a firm center. Mm. So you've got some place where you can, where the discharge of powerful feelings can occur. You've got a ground, and from there one can sense and feel, and it's it's manageable.
you know, sometimes it's like the the problem is that the overload is such that the body um, shuts down in order to not to to affect the emotional system, so we go numb. So there's a the the so this is particularly affected in the breathing. Breathing is the, if you like, the centre of the body's energy. That process of breathing centres and vitalises and is the dynamic of the body's system. So when the body is threatened or tense, the breathing is affected. Tightening constrictions occur. This means then there's less ability to feel. This is one thing that can occur uh, when when the system's under stress, is the, the wish to feel less. As we feel less, um, senseless or less, less affected, then um, the body numbs, the heart grows withdrawn, and... Um, the, the centre has to become the thinking. Remember that just to remain coherent, there's got to be a, a kind of a sense of a centre or, or a, a firm place. If you don't find it in the body, where's it going to be? Now, if the heart closes down, so you don't feel very much, become more indifferent, then that means that we rely upon our thoughts to give us a sense of being somebody, a sense of coherence. And the only thing that thought has that's permanent is movement. It flickers, it moves. So one becomes based upon the movement of thought. It doesn't matter what the thought is after a while, just as long as it keeps going. Any old rubbish. And so this is a very common experience in meditation. You know, just babble, twaddle, memories, fantasies, whimsies, proliferations, plans, projects. Hmm. As long as something's there, there's something to be centered around, thinking mind. And then maybe we start to think, well, this isn't right, so... You know, too much thinking. So I try and stop thinking as well. You know, concentrate and stop thinking. Yeah. So having closed down the body, closed down the heart, now I'm trying to close down the head <laughs> as well. Because it's not concentrated and calm. So, <laughs> you know... This makes as much sense as saying, you know, you've got to, if your hands are dirty, cut off your hand. <laughs> That'll get rid of it. What are we going to base ourselves? Just get based upon the, uh, uh, a suppressive willpower. Uh, and if we relax that or release that, we come into the nebulous turmoil of thoughts often anxiety ridden driven by the need to know the need to fix the need to be secure the need to be reassured the need to have things certain the need to make things steady the need to plan, organise 
Because mm. that gives that possibility of his and firm ground. Yeah. And what happens when you come into a situation where the teaching is based on uncertainty, on impermanence, change, emptiness? Uh, you come into a major kind of collision with anxiety, uncertainty, doubt. And it becomes, um, particularly to the degree to which we could be affected by these um, experiences, these, these loss of body, loss of ground, going up with our heads, trying to, trying to hold it together there. We can see how, these, um, how we hang on to things in the, in the head, in the mind. Uh, it seems seem extraordinarily potent, you know, extraordinarily powerful. Small details in, in monastic life begin to acknowledge this, how renunciant life, based on uncertainty, based on letting go, based upon faith, and yet we can find ourselves hanging on to tiny little points of detail. Uh, they don't seem tiny, they seem to have massive consequence. Mm. And I've certainly uh, seen a degree of a kind of of a small-mindedness and even infantilism can occur in, in monastic life. Hanging on to bits, tiny bits and pieces, grudges and things of this nature. But rather than trying to stop it, you try to understand what's going on. You know, why does one bother oneself with these things? What's happening? Why is it so involuntary? And it don't do it because we like to. It's suffering, it's stress. Why do we generate so much of it? We generate it because this absolute need to have some ground if you don't find it anywhere else, you'll find it in dread or in worry. That will be the ground that we come back to better than nothing. So the first thing is to establish the, the ground where the ground is supposed to be, on the ground. <laughs> Not up in the head. Coming down into the feet and the the, the bodily structure. This is where the um, thinking system, for all its confusion and um, groundlessness, is invaluable because it's the system that's most easily subject to change. You can't really turn your, your, your moods around that quickly. But you can think a thought very quickly. You can, and you think one thought, it replaces another thought. It's a very kind of simple arithmetic of the, in the Buddha's own practice. He's saying, well, if you think this thought, you're not thinking that thought. If you think a thought of goodwill, you're not at this moment thinking a thought of ill will. So that's, you know, it's just pragmatic. It's not saying, do you really mean this? 
But it's just saying, you know, just keep, you know, doing that to the thinking mind. Yeah. And so at that moment you're removing some of the the uh, momentum of fear, anxiety, ill will, the doubt. So uh, you say uh, it's like a fundamental um, inclination or intent as the centre of, of our practice for the cessation of suffering is yes, this ability to think uh, may I be well whatever that means you know, I, what's that mean but may there be well-being can just relax mm. right now what's, what, where's the Where's the uh, that sense of benevolence? It's rather like the hand on the shoulder. It's rather like the warmth of a fire. It's rather like um, you know t- taking a drink of water when you're thirsty. It's just touching something that says, "This is for you, just just now." Just you know. And using the thinking faculty fully, but simply, as two aspects, vitaka, vichara. Vitaka is the ability to conceive, and vichara, the ability to evaluate. Um, and they act, in, they act together, so bring up the thought, and then evaluate is, is dwell in it. We might even say it's imagine image, you let it form an image dwell in the meaning of that till it forms an image, what is well-being what would, you, what would be good right now what does your body need right now what would the, where would be the free place right now where would be the, you know not somewhere else but right now what would it be coming to you right now and uh, visualise even so this is where you get meditation practice based upon visualization, Buddhas, Bodhisattvas, angels, lights, colors, sacred syllables, and so forth. That which you know you train the mind to, to evoke and call, call benevolence to you. So some sense of coming out of the, the lost state. And bringing it back into the body, so taking the so the vichara, exploring, evaluating until we we find the image, the the, the word, the phrase, the picture that brings that up, and feeling the effect in the heart, even drawing it into the body. So if your body is sitting in that, drinking it in, or even um, you know placing it over your body. So in, in Tantra, for example, Tantric practices, you generally you know, superimpose the benevolent or um, onto, the, onto the bodies, onto your image of the body. What would we like to be blissful? What would the body feel like then? if you're in open space or blissful. Hmm. So this is um, using the thinking mind.
to evoke, to call the benevolence, the benediction. And it's a way of, of when it's in fully carried through in such a way, then it's a way of, of bringing the three systems together again. We conceive the bright, you sense it, you're affected by it, and then it's embodied, taken into the bodily sense. It helps us to regain ground that may be lost (coughs) through uh, neglect, confusion, um, shame. It's lost because of being out there. Uh, When you're out there, you're affected by what people do and say, the way you're seen, the way you're described, the way you're pointed at. And all this, your body feels it, feels unsafe, feels confused, feels belittled. Therefore, you know, eventually you leave it because it's too painful to be there. So you go up into something like a continual need to assure or reaffirm oneself emotionally and so on. So, and then we, from there we come into what we're going to do to do that, think, conceive, plan, be busy, so forth. And... You know, it's kind of you know, not to carry that pattern into meditation practice, being busy in meditation practice. You know, but uh, you know, just cessation of suffering, ceasing. say, um, you know, body and embodiment, and these things I'm talking in very general and total terms about effects that may be partial or temporary. I mean, hopefully we're not all bunged up, freaked out, solid all the all day, all the time. <laughs> you know, there are moments of some lucidity <laughs> and, uh, and ease. And yet we may detect <coughs> certain times or situations or scenarios where we suddenly we're lost, we're in, we're out. You feel yourself spinning, um, knocked off balance, knocked off centre. Mm. And then spinning, and then spinning, reacting, defending, um, how, whatever we do. So, you know, just noticing that in a day, noticing that, wait a minute, Really, you don't have to, you know, justify it or explain it, or you know, nobody else's business. Just knowing yourself. Wait a minute, I'm losing it now. What's happening? Feel that sense of moving. Often it's a moving up, um, spinning up, which is very much the, um, you know, the, the flight. Get busy. It can be tightening up, which is the fight, or it can be 
a freezing or a sinking down, which is like a collapse. You know, you feel yourself kind of sink down into get your head down and wait till it goes away. You know, that kind of uh, like um, tortoise in his shell, sticking neck in. I can weather through this, you know, till it's gone away. So whenever this happens, um, how much of the body is there? What states it's in? <coughs> and right there, feeling well, feels like chest feels closed, tight, uh, not in the not in the solar plexus, seizing up in the abdomen. Or I seem to be all up in my head and shoulders and a lot of fire moving up there, a lot of energy moving up there. So then we need to attend to those places. We attend perhaps by, you know, through through meditation, through having established um, a wholesome frame of reference, so you know where your feet are, you know where your legs are, you know where your good bits are, you know how to breathe yourself back in, how to call yourself back in, how to, often it's a calling down, you know, it was like centre, earth, descend, and get grounded, and then re-establishing the body, bodily sense in that way. And you discover many many things you discover more clearly when going out occurs what it feels like what causes it what parts of the body are attuned to that mm. very simply speaking I would say that you, you may notice you know the movement up into the head or a closing down a tightening up you know experience. As I said, the, the essential dynamic of, of what the body is breathing, so if we can breathe out and breathe in through that, all well and good. It's taking the time, just, you know, obviously it's not going to be all there straight away. There's to be some sense of breathing out, some sense of breathing wherever it has felt. So you work from the, 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 you know, it's fairly indistinct, you know, what you can feel with that. Mm. You can also, using the um, elements, earth, air, fire, water, Get a sense of the body in, in those terms. How it feels to you, the heaviness, the pressure, the firmness. The positive sense of earth is the sense of firmness and stability. The negative sense of earth is when it becomes uh, uh, rigid, inflexible. Positive sense of, of fire is vitality, warmth, radiance. Negative sense is when we're flaming, um, reactive. 
both flaring up. Positive sense of water flowing, supple, coherent. Things that things are. We're fully. We're we're encompassing things. Negative sense of it is when it, we're swampy, confused, unable to discern or distinguish or create boundaries. Positive sense of air is the light, the mobile. Negative sense of it is fickle, restless, can't stay steady. We're just contemplating how you know one senses oneself, but in a bodily sense, may feel really like a rock, or may feel got no skin, you know, just it's wide open and everything is you know affecting me. If that's the case, it seems we might need some more water, some more earth. A bit more firm, a bit more ground. Mm. Feel very rigid. Might need to flow a little bit. <coughs> contemplate, invoke, bring in the water element. Contemplate the, the the suppleness of the body, releasing the tension. Walking, movement. Mm suppleness. These things can help to dispel some of the rigidity of the body. This rigidity is not um, a rigidity that's innate to the structure. It's a rigidity that's imposed through uh, compression, through um, these overflows, emotive effects. And it's uh, very much the case in, in meditation how can something like walking up and down, which seems to be the simplest thing in the world, surely, become, become much more difficult than taking a walk? It's the same thing, isn't it? I mean, you know, body moving along. Why does one become incredibly tight and boring and so forth? One become free and loose? There's an emotive effect there, isn't there? And we might find within that the sense of got to do this, not going anywhere, um, backwards and forwards. All those signals create a certain sense of being trapped, held, and the body starts to tighten up. You do walking meditation, become very heavy, rigid. Or you've got to make it work. So all these got-tos, if they have the effect of tightening and constricting then you've got to release those so it's just like walking along it's just a moment at a time moving into the space right in front of you feeling internally the body the movements of it the warmth of it the way it flows along it's already it's a mobile thing in itself and it can be enjoyment, walking internally rather than externally, if you see what I mean. The landscape of your own embodiment rather than the landscape of West Sussex. And if you get this right, then of course the world's your own, isn't it? You, don't, and, you, know, you can always walk in your own body. You feel the freedom in your own body. But just notice how these psychological constructions such as got to um, got to get it right or whatever it is or same thing 
have this bodily effect. But then to say, well, well, don't do any walking meditation is, is missing the point. The point is to be able to, to undo these, these psychological additions, you know. We say walk for half an hour or 45 minutes or so. We just do some walking, you hear a bell and stop walking. You don't need, we don't need to create these kind of mental tightness around it. Be in the body. Ground yourself in the body. The habit so often, particularly when we move, of course, is, you know, we leave, actually, even though we're walking, we're actually outside the body, we're in what we see, you know, here. So we, we leave it for this external world. Now, when you're being asked to not leave it, stay in the body, you know, this means, in a way, we have to come back to an area that might be quite afflicted. You know, has got afflictions built into it. Those afflictions will then try to either push you out into something interesting to see or do or speculate about. You'll feel the pressure of them and you'll feel the tightening effect of them. And then you find that walking becomes very difficult or uh, not enjoyable, unpleasant. You're meeting this level of affliction. This is what we're here for, in a way, is to meet this, but then not to just, oh, I'll change the game, you know, go do something else, but to, within this, can there be the releasing? And what are the things that help to release that? Psychologically, we might say, there's no aim here, there's no nothing to get to, nothing to achieve. Mm-hmm. Apart from, may I be well? Right now, may I be well? Um, in terms of time, it's just the moment of the time. There's no deadline, there's no, you've got to do this for the next da-da-da-da-da, but just taking a moment of the time. Um, the sensory level, keeping the eyes from uh, going out, so let the, let the gaze be soft, relaxed. Stand in your own presence, walk in your own presence. And this is where you actually can regain the body in standing and walking. With walking meditation, the Buddha's instructions are one walks to um, enhance energy and one walks in order to dispel that which needs to be dispelled. Uh, he makes no mention of focusing on the feet specifically. Um, just his walking, dispelling that which needs to be dispelled, cleaning the mind of that which needs to be cleaned of, developing the sense of persistence and energy in what we're doing. So that, that, you see, you, so the idea that you have to concentrate on a particular point is an addition. The point's already here.
with walking meditation, um, finding your, your pace, your rhythm, a rhythm that you can center around. It's like when you're trying to call yourself back to the body, mm, the calling is, is rhythmic. That's a particular sense of, well, that feels comfortable. Our, our systems are naturally attuned to rhythm. You know, you rock babies, you dance the music, you, you know, these are things that we feel give us the feel, feeling okay sense is rhythm. It comforts us, it, it, it recognizes us. So what's the, what's the bodily rhythm that you feel, oh, this is, this is a home rhythm for me. And it might be different, you know, from day to day, from time to time. So you choose where you feel the rhythm that, that, that like calls you back. Yeah. Depending, it's very much dependent on the, the mind state that you're in. Sometimes you need to walk quite fast and vigorous, you know, to feel, oh yeah, no, I've got the energy's there, I'm really meeting it. You feel steady and, and alive in that. Or sometimes you want to take it really soft and slow and gentle. St- stopping and standing. So using a Jonkron path, stopping, standing, establishing oneself from the ground upwards, breathing in, breathing out, that basic reference, so that we have that chance to periodically just stop, let go, begin again. You know. So walking meditation is actually something like 60 different, 60 meditation periods of a minute's length. It's not an hour, you know. It's, so each time you stop meditating now and just breathe out, and then, you know. so you need to do it for a minute and then have another one. And in between time, just stand there. And that, that suggestions like that you may find beneficial.